I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Tony, do you ever do any shopping on amazon.co.uk? Not anymore. I used to. But I do it all in bricks and mortar stores now. Right, okay. Well, uh, this is going nowhere then. No, of course I do. Of course I do. All my shopping. Well, my suggestion is that you continue shopping on amazon.co.uk, but... To get there, you go first to cricketshow.net and follow the link there. Because if listeners do that, uh, then anything they buy on Amazon, the World Cricket Show gets a little bit of a kickback. So it's a great way to support the show while doing your regular shopping at no extra cost. I think you've sold that very nicely. Thank you very much. Cricketshow.net. Do it today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show. My name's Adam Bayfield and with me as always is Tony Kerr. Evening. Boom. Straight in. Simple. No mucking about with the intro. It's taken me this long time but I've eventually realised I can just do it quickly. Yeah. Get it over with. I think the listeners will be pleased with that. (laughs) It's clean, isn't it? That's the word I use. Refinement. It's come through many iterations, hasn't it, the uh, the intro? Well, even and this... And you just stripped it away to its bare bones, just the real pure function. Even this week's... to introduce me. <laughs> <laughs> even this week's one, it took me uh, about three or four hours in the room with my writers, just getting it down to the least number of words possible. How's it going this week, Tane? Yeah, it's not too bad. What's going on? Don't know. Did you enjoy, good? Did you enjoy the fireworks <laughs> last night? I got here. Uh, yeah, they were really good. Yeah. yeah. We went down to the Guernsey Rugby Club, their annual display. Fireworks night, wasn't it? And it was good. It was quite surprising. Yeah, they were. I, I, say, I say not because I expected less from the rugby club, but just because I genuinely think, I, I assume each year that I've got to the point where I won't care or be impressed by fireworks, but actually I was. But actually you are still a child. Yeah. No, it, was a, it was a good display, actually. It was a great display. Five stars I'd give the Guernsey Rugby Club yeah. firework display. But... It is a bit weird, isn't it? Because it like so many people go to those sorts of events. Hundreds of people there, uh, and they're literally just waiting for like a four-minute. Ev- Speak for yourself, mate. Event. Like, I turned up, gave you a call, and uh, you, you and a couple of others were, were down there, <laughs> sat in your in the seats in the stand already, waiting next to the loudest speaker. So they're like <laughs> pumping out the music. Baby, uh, yeah. And then the fireworks happened, and uh, then you just left straight away. You're like, right, we're off. <laughs> That was it. Literally, didn't even hang around for a drink afterwards. As the last sort of crackling lights were falling down the sky, I was like, "Right, well, that's yeah, you're like, better beat the run." <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah. yeah, exactly. But it was cold, Tane. It was it's cold out I there. I can tell that you got your hat on. <laughs> yeah. I have got my hat on. I got my snood on as well. It's not that. I mean, it was summer last week. Well, it was, but now it's not because in the in the last week, it's gone from sort of twenty degrees down to I don't know. What is it now? Plunged down to thirteen. <laughs> it's a balmy thirteen. It's colder than that. No, but it's it's very much my favourite time of year when it suddenly gets a little bit colder and I you know feel justified in getting all my preposterous winter clothes out. I'm never happier, Tony, than when I'm wearing my uh, 
my snood and my hat and my my dog training coat, my coat that's like the dog <laughs> trainer's right. coat. Yeah. Uh, my high vis jacket, I get that on on my my walks home. Although I I, I didn't bring it uh, last night to the fireworks display, which was which was a real mistake because uh, yeah, we parked at our friend's house and then walked from there. But it was it was about a ten minute walk along roads with no pavement in the dark, and I was very nervous about it. People were making fun of me. The other people I was with were making fun yeah. of me. I mean, for people who don't know Guernsey's roads, that it's kind of like don't walk you on those kind of. I mean, a lot of roads have pavements. You know, we're not. It's not the dark ages. Not animals. Yeah, but uh, it's probably where there are roads without pavements. It's the equivalent of walking down the hard shoulder, isn't it? Really. Yeah, I'd say probably worse. But, but well, I mean, worse because the roads are, are essentially like one and a half lane thick, and two cars are trying to pass <laughs> exactly. each other regularly. Yeah, that, and that particular road, yeah, is. And it's it really not well. wide yeah. enough. It's not wide <laughs> enough for cars, and there's when you're a pedestrian trying to navigate it. I mean, it's obviously not as bad as walking on the hard shoulder because the cars are doing 30 mile an hour or 35 mile an hour rather than 70 mile an hour. But you know, that's still it's still frightening. And I, I don't understand this thing though. Yeah, because I was with two other people, and they were just relentlessly mocking me for being nervous at walking on the road without a high vis jacket, <laughs> no pavement, no lights. But it's that thing of like, oh, what? How lame? What a lame-o. He doesn't want to get knocked down by a car and killed. He's worried about his own safety and the safety of others. What did people do before high-vis jackets, though? Because <laughs> now you see... Like, I saw some kids, a school group today, out in about midday in the broad daylight, not anywhere near a road, like on a kind of by the beach over the road, all in high-vis jackets. Maybe they were just going to a rave. Well, I just, discounted I don't know. that possibility. It's like, Something happened. Some there was a, a, something clicked at, at some point. I make well, that, we'll, we'll just be wearing high vis at some point. I make that same joke every night when I'm leaving work. Always to someone different. I'm usually leaving work at the same time as you know one other person, and I've got my high vis jacket on. I make that same joke just off to a rave. Always goes down brilliantly. <laughs> I'm sure you have them as well. Jokes that you make all the time. No, what to excuse your own behaviour? Really? <laughs> excuse your own kind of weird foible. It's actually been a bad week for people making fun of me, Tane. I mean, we, you and me, we went to a meeting the other day for a new project we're working on, which listeners will hear exciting project. all about very soon. It's not another podcast. It's not another Thankfully. podcast. It's not anything that anyone listening to this is going to be remotely interested in. Uh, but nonetheless, we'll plug it uh, on this show. But anyway, we went for a meeting and, uh, yeah, basically the, the guy we were talking to was offering us, like, two different, like, levels of of service that he could give us and, and there was a difference in price and he was saying you know but at the end of the day you've got to decide what you want do you want that ferrari or are you happy just driving a suzuki swift at which point there was a silence and then i sort of piped up that i drive a suzuki swift <laughs> it was a good moment <laughs> he claimed to say that he saw you drive in but yeah, i'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure convinced because he looked flustered <laughs> he looked very flustered this is another sponsor of ours by the way suzuki <laughs> suzuki swift adam bayfield drives a suzuki swift at least you didn't say, I actually drive a Ferrari. Because uh, I've been questioning where that money's been coming from. Uh, well, anyway, Tone, uh, tonight on the show, we're not just going to be talking about uh, cars. Uh, we're going to be talking about cricket. We'll be discussing Pakistan's triumph and Australia's humiliation in the UAE, which I'm sure will give us great pleasure. Another thing that's giving us pleasure is Jonathan Trott's return to England colours. Uh, he's back in the England Lions squad, so we're going to be talking about that. And another thing that's giving us pleasure is the comfort and reliability of a Suzuki Swift at a very affordable price. Around the world, 
Let's kick off the show with our item around the world where we talk about things that have been happening around the world. And let's head over to the United Arab Emirates, uh, where Australia have been touring to play Pakistan. Uh, there was a two-test match series. Um, I was quite excited about this series, Tony. I thought it might be a really, uh, really competitive... Uh, I'm trying to think of a word that isn't series, but I can't say so I thought it might be a really competitive series. Uh, you know, obviously, Australia, uh, with a lot of great form behind them on top of the world, uh, but in very different conditions. Pakistan, very comfortable in these conditions. I thought it would be a very close-fought contest. Uh, but it really wasn't because Pakistan gave them a right old walloping, didn't they? In, in the first test in Dubai, they won by 221 runs. Pakistan batting first, hundreds from Yunus Khan and Safraz Ahmed, the wicketkeeper, meant they got 454. Australia started really well. They were 128 for none. Dave Warner made a century, 133, but there was a, a big collapse and they were eventually all out for 303. Pakistan raced along to 286 for two in just 78 overs. Ahmed Shazad with 100, Yunus Khan with his second 100 of the game. And they declared to set Australia a target 438. Uh, and they were in trouble right from the get-go and eventually were all out for just 216. Five wickets for Zulfikar Baba and four wickets for the unheralded leg spinner Yazir Shah. So big, big win in Dubai. The second test was in Abu Dhabi and it ended in an even bigger win. Uh, they batted first again, this time posted an even bigger total, 570 for six, declared 100 for Azhar Ali, a double 100 for Yunus Khan, his third century in a row, 213 he made, uh, and a century for the captain Mizbah Al-Haq as well. Uh, Australia were really ground into the dust, uh, and when they came out to bat, uh, that really showed because they were all out for 261. Pakistan could have chosen to enforce the follow-on, decided not to, uh, raced along to 293 for three declared, another 100 for Azhar Ali, and another 100 for Mizbar, the joint fastest 100 in test history, 101 from just 57 balls. Uh, that set Australia a notional 603, and once again, uh, they subsided. They were all out for 246, another five-wicket haul for Zulfikar Baba and Yazir Shah with three wickets as well. So a massive win, 356 runs. So I hope everyone's still awake. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about Pakistan in a minute, Tony. I, I really don't think we can talk about them enough. But what about Australia? I mean, after everything that they achieved earlier this year, winning in South Africa, demolishing England, becoming number one in the world, you know, this is a mighty big shock to the system, isn't it? It is. Yeah, you know, they, they pitched up, didn't they? They won, uh, albeit kind of decent matches uh, and close matches in the ODIs, won, won that series 3-love. Three 3-love? Three Three nil. You've been watching too so much getting tennis. To the tennis. Think about tennis again. This isn't the world tennis show, Ted. <laughs> Come on. Uh, so you know, the, you know, confidence would have been high and even higher. Yeah, now going into this test series, but yeah, I mean, what happened? I mean, they, they just got blown away. They just couldn't get runs on the board. It was extraordinary, wasn't it? I mean, they they were just hopelessly outclassed in all departments. I mean, the, the probably most striking was the way that the Pakistan batsmen just blunted that Australian attack, that much-vaunted and, you know, much-successful Australian attack with an ease that was bordering on ridiculous. And, and then Australia's own batting was, was the opposite. It was laughably bad at times. I mean, Dave Warner um, certainly started very well and, and, and was pretty decent. Steve Smith was decent. He made 97 uh, in a lost cause in the fourth innings of the second game. But, you know, aside from those two, they were pretty awful. And they were just, it was just a case of... Collapse after collapse, really, and it was 
And by the end of the series, it was very predictable that they would just collapse against those Pakistan spinners. And you'd have to say Pakistan spinners that, you know, aren't really that famous, that don't have that much test experience, that don't have much test pedigree. You know, it's it's quite remarkable to think that Saeed Ajman wasn't even playing in this series. How bad would this have been if he had been there? Well, quite. I mean... Quite he, bad. <laughs> I mean, quite. Uh, quite. The guys who did the damage... Uh, uh, Yazir Shah, I mean, what, it was his debut series, picked up a hat full of wickets. And Baba, uh, you know, again, pretty inexperienced, you'd have to say, uh, all around, yeah, and, and doing the damage. So, I mean, you know, you'd say at the moment that Saeed Ashman's got plenty of time to work out his action. What does he get back in the well, team at this point? Who knows? I mean, Pakistan have had, uh, you know, they've got a really good record, haven't they, since they started playing in the UAE again. Was it four years ago? That's right, yeah. So, uh, you know, they walloped England. Uh, when they went there a couple of years ago, South Africa have been there and, and not got anything. Well, they got a draw. Well, got a, I mean, they got a draw, but they didn't get a win, did they? So I suppose it's not entirely un, unexpected, is it? You know, for I guess what the unexpected, you know, part of the unexpected aspect of this is, I mean, you know, Mizbar, what is he, 40 years old now, one of the oldest captains to have played Test cricket for donkey's years. To do what he did was was ludicrous, and we'll come on to that, I'm sure, in a moment. But Pakistan cricket just is ludicrously unpredictable you could have predicted they would win they would you know they would do well in the series but to predict those performances unbelievable well you couldn't have predicted it i mean in hindsight oh I suppose, yeah you could in hindsight you could say well perhaps we should have seen this coming at least a little bit in the sense that those sorts of collapses from australia in those sorts of conditions are actually quite a familiar story over the last few years you know in 2013 they lost seven out of ten tests which were all played on slow, low pitches in India and England. Tony's got up. Unbelievably hot in here. <laughs> <coughs> what are you talking about, Tony? I'm still wearing my snood. Yeah, I, I literally I could go topless now, happily. <laughs> Please don't. Yeah, what is the temperature in here? Uh, it's 19. Can't be. It, says. it can't be. I'm not sure you're very good at judging temperature <laughs> either way. Uh, anyway, yeah, as I say, they're, they're reasonably familiar sorts of collapses, but I suppose... They'd all happen before that, you know, astonishing Ashes series. Maybe we thought, oh, this Australian team has transformed. But, you know, all of that, all of that resurgence took place on very hard, very bouncy pitches, both at home and then in South Africa. So perhaps there is a case that in these sorts of conditions in the UAE and subcontinental conditions, they are just not a great team. They're a poor team, which I suppose makes them the opposite of flat track bullies, doesn't it? Flat track wallies. (laughs) I'm pleased with that one. Yeah, that was good. That was good. You should tweet that. <laughs> even at the time, I think we said that even in the midst of that of that Ashes whitewash, that horrendous time of my life, you know, even right in the middle of that, I probably still would have backed that England team to beat that Australian team in subcontinental conditions because you would say that the Australian batsmen, you know, just haven't been able to show the sort of patience, the sort of application to bed in and arguably not the technique either. I suppose it's quite interesting that the two batsmen that did show glimmers of that, Warner and Smith, who are probably the two most 2020 batsmen that they have, with the exception of Glenn Maxwell, who, who came in for the second test, and I'm not sure is good enough for test cricket. And the rest of the Aussie batting lineup just didn't seem to be good enough, didn't seem to be able to, to handle those conditions. Well, I mean, the sort of patience uh, and commitment as a Eunice Khan, I mean, that ludicrous number of runs... Uh, dominated the series with three centuries and it was three not, consecutive centuries yeah, as well. Yeah, it was only four innings. <laughs> yeah. uh, was it nine centuries in all for Pakistan? 
which is the highest in a two test series. That's absolutely right. Yeah, uh, I mean, the dominance of the bat, of their bat, extraordinary. I mean, do you think Eunice is perhaps underrated around the world? I mean, yeah, those three centuries take him to a total of 27 test hundreds. It's now the most by a Pakistan player. You know, he seems to have been around forever. I think he made his debut in 2000. So to all intents and purposes, he has been around forever. Uh, but yeah, maybe he's never quite been acknowledged in the rest of the world in the same way that some other players are. I mean, perhaps there's a few reasons for that, not least that he spent quite a lot of, certainly the early part of his career, playing second or even third fiddle behind Inzamam and behind Mohamed Youssef. And he's also not really had much success um, in England or in South Africa or in Australia really anywhere in around the world that's not the subcontinent because you know he is such a brilliant player of spin his career has been so much about playing spin but you can't really argue with his overall career statistics at this point because his test average is up around 54 now it's only a shade under Tendulkar's albeit in less than half the number of games but you know we really should be talking about him as as one of the the top batsmen of the era uh yeah i mean <clears throat> Was that your point? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I I agree. Probably is. I mean, it's hard to say. It's hard to gauge ratedness, isn't it? In a sense. Uh, but I mean, uh, yeah. In the context of of a difficult decade and difficult fifteen years for Pakistan and Pakistan cricket, it's that that you know that probably adds a multiplier, doesn't it? One and a half maybe times the number of runs that he's scored. So I mean, in the last ten years, he's got. 6,260 runs, which puts him in the same company as the likes of Dravid, Sewag, Tendulkar, and, you know, across that last 10 years. So, interesting. So he, along with pretty much the entire Pakistan lineup, was so dominant. And, you know, perhaps this is also to do with the conditions in that that Australian bowling attack that has been so successful recently, you know, in those conditions, it's, it's muffled, isn't it? Because Johnson actually bowled his heart out, was really economical, did take wickets, but he, he didn't blow Pakistan away at any point. And he's never going to be at his best in the UAE, is he? They're just not the, the best conditions for him. And if he's not doing the damage, and with Ryan Harris not there because of injury, possibly we have to think he might not be there again, given the number of injuries that, he, that he's having. Yeah, in, that, in that situation, perhaps there are one or two question marks about the rest of that attack, because... Peter Siddle's lost a yard of pace, more than a yard of pace, actually. And then you've got Nathan Lyon, who I think is a very, very good test match support bowler. But so far in his career, he's not really looked comfortable at any point when charged with bowling a side out in favourable conditions. It's not a place that the bowling attacks have gone and, and generally thrived, is it? So it's probably harsh to well, judge. I don't know about that because, you know, when England went there, I mean, they got obliterated in the series, but that was because their batsmen just couldn't handle side Ajmal. Actually, Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad, mm, right. Monty Panazar and Graham Storm were all fantastic. And they, you know, bowled Pakistan out for under 100, didn't they? And they actually had a really good series, those bowlers. I don't know the answer then. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a desperately disappointing series for Australia. It's probably not life-threatening for this team because obviously they're going to go back home now. They're playing South Africa. There's another series between Australia and South Africa. It seems to happen every five minutes. They're going to go into that series. They're obviously going to be much more competitive in that because Johnson's going to be back in his element. The batsmen are going to be back in their element. But I think it's probably fair to say that this series has illustrated that they aren't the best team in the world. I mean, at the moment, hardly anyone is any good away from home. But certainly South Africa and even England and even Sri Lanka 
have performed better than Australia in alien conditions in recent times. I mean, yeah, England were blown away in the UAE, but South Africa did get a draw there. England won in India. So far, at least, Australia haven't been able to produce a result like that. The big thing as well that this series has flagged up, yeah, it's flagged up, I would say, three things for Australia. The first is that in these conditions, they aren't very good. The second is that the the quality of their bowlers behind Johnson is a little bit questionable now. But the third, and probably the biggest, is the fitness of Michael Clark, who had a dreadful series with the bat. Scores of 2, 3, 47 and 5. It could well be that it, the, the problem for Clark is that his back just is not playing ball. And that's been the case for a little while now. And, you know, maybe we're looking at the beginning and the end for Michael Clark. That might be a little premature, I, I don't know. You, you don't know, do you? A little bit of time. Well, I don't know. I've not kind of... I've not, mas- not examined I've not massaged it. massaged his back. <laughs> yeah, you've not got your hands on it. I think that is premature, to be honest. But then a back isn't something... It, it's not something that is easily resolved, is it? I mean, you know, think of the number of people that just have ongoing sort of chronic back problems and it is something that affects everything that you do. Yeah, it's not easy to fix. Uh, he's obviously a decent player, so... Well, that's true. Yeah, so, you know, yeah, clearly... It, yeah, you know, you can manage that kind of thing, I guess, at times. Yeah, and so maybe he, yeah, you can find a work to. He, he's he's getting on, isn't he? He's getting on a bit, but he's got he's got a good couple of years left. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to write people off, isn't it, from a basis of no knowledge where we are at the moment. <laughs> but and then you know that can often be shown to be very premature, as you say. People write off Rafael Nadal all the time, uh, and then he comes back even better than ever. Um, but equally, we've seen it a lot in cricket where players keep trying to come back, aren't very good, and have to go for another operation. It happened to flint off so many times, didn't it? it happened to Michael Vaughan. Really, either thing could happen, couldn't it? But if I was an Australian fan, I would be concerned about the state of Michael Clark. <laughs> Look at the state of that. Look at the state of that. I mean, it, Look at the state of that. You know, it's not a long time ago, is it, though, that he scored big runs in South Africa. Uh, you know, maybe it's just an off-series, maybe as a, as a captain, uh, you know, in a team that's not hitting their straps and then maybe his concentration was slightly drawn so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt for all that this was a miserable series for Australia uh, it was a very happy one for Pakistan wasn't it it was an ecstatic one for Pakistan Rami's Raja called it Pakistan's greatest ever series win would you go along with that no nor would I no it's a bit over the top I mean it, it was a great win yeah a great series win some unbelievable individual performances, some really unique, uh, exceptional, surprising performances. But oh, it's also their first win over Australia for 20 years. Yeah. Two, uh, two. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. 
two test series is never going to be enough to prove anything for me and for you as well I'd imagine uh so no I'm not I'm yeah I wouldn't say it would be their best yeah we need a control series as well really don't we just to, yeah just to see yeah you're absolutely right it's if it was a five... And it's not a classic Australia. You know, the t- yes, the Australia team was coming, but you would still say, you know, if they'd beaten South Africa in these circumstances, 2-0 with these results, you'd say, unbelievable. I guess, you know, beating Australia for the first time in many years is still a, a big achievement. Yeah, and they were number one in the world not so long ago and beat South Africa, so they clearly are a very good team. But for all the reasons we talked about, <sighs> they're not as good a team in these conditions. You'd imagine that Pakistan going to Australia, this sort of result wouldn't happen. If it did, then you'd say that might well be... Pakistan's greatest win yeah it is only two tests if, if it had gone on for five tests and every test had been like this there might be more of a case but also I think you know they're just there are just other series in the past that were at least as impressive and probably more I mean even beating England three years ago you know beating that England team was more impressive than this and then obviously there are countless series in the 70s 80s and 90s that you know the memories just fade don't they so I, I doubt if people will be talking about this two test series in 10, 15, 20 years' time. I just think that's quite unlikely. Maybe they will. I mean, they, they will for the reason that any time anyone scores a quick 100 now, you know, Ms. Barr's name will be mentioned and that test match will be mentioned. So, in that sense, they will. It's very true. It was an astonishing 100, wasn't it? And, yeah, as I say, equaling the record for the fastest 100 in, in test history. Did you see the highlights of this one, Tony? I did. It's hilarious how dismissive he is of Stephen Smith like right at the beginning he just hits what like three consecutive sixes yeah he just stands there and just plays the spin boom see you later it just doesn't look like test cricket does it it looks like it looks like a 12 year old bowling at a test tossing it up Uh, yeah I mean it was a great knot wasn't it I felt terrible for Steve Smith as well because I was heartbroken for him it's got a weird setup though, because obviously there's not many people in the ground. You know that he was dumping the ball to kind of Cal Corner a couple of times, and it's just plodding or sorry, plugging into the bank there with no one on it. Uh, it's quite a strange setup still. I mean, I'd quite like to have gone. It looked nice, like a nice place to spend a couple of days. <laughs> you could just go on holiday. Yeah, there, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, but it was an amazing things, and yeah, to to kind of maintain that, to do it in those circumstances, for it to be him, for him to be so old, amazing. If at the beginning of the year I told you at some point in 2014 someone will equal Viv Richards' record for the fastest Test 100, how long a list of names would you have drawn up before you got to Mizbah? I mean, it would have been 60 names. <laughs> yeah. You'd have run out of international bats, like people <laughs> who would start you know, Test matches for their country, really. I mean, I absolutely love Mizbah. I think he's a fantastic batsman, but he's often criticised for batting too slowly, isn't he? The fact that it would be him... And not, you know, Chris Gale or Dave Warner. McCullum, or, it might. It's just crazy. No, it but is. But brilliant. Nice, yeah. I, in some ways, that's what makes it so brilliant. Yeah, no, it's nice, you know, that you talk about Viv Richards and Ms. Brawl Hacken now in the same breath. But, I mean, they it, it, it didn't, really, didn't even really need to be batting, did he? <laughs> it's true. Uh, and it's quite amazing. Well, I mean, what did he break? He broke the record as well for, or smashed the record, really, for fastest 50 in a test match, 21 balls, which what, took three balls out of the previous record. Uh, and he was only... He was only on uh, after five balls. He was only on six runs. It, it, the other remarkable aspect is, is his age, isn't it? And this whole, you know, he's it, it's life begins at forty two. That's what they say. You seem to be like thinking of him as some kind of decrepit old man. Like he's he's still. Well, know, no, but I mean, if, if he was a politician, you'd be like, oh, he's a wet beyond years. <laughs> yeah, but if you look at the list of oldest captains, you know, 
WG Grace is at the top. The, the, all of the names are like just names from history, really. <laughs> what do you mean, though? That was in like, you know, there aren't many players playing Test cricket, that, you know, and captaining sides at, at this age, you know, in this era. You know, the closest you get, you have to go all the way down to uh, Steve Waugh, 2004, 38. That's two years younger than the Mizbah. But all, you know, every other name around him, and as you, as you creep up, you know, WG Grace is right up there with 50, the 60th test match of all time, which is kind of ludicrous, isn't it? It's kind of scary. Uh, but, you know, all the other names, you know, you're going back to the 20s, 30s, 50s, 70s. You know, players just don't captain their teams at, at that age. Yeah, well, not anymore. many play at that no, age. No, so... So, no, you are right. All the more it, remarkable. It, it is remarkable. An old-timer, <laughs> that all this captain for just donkey's years goes and smashes the ball around. No, like you're a, like you're, a nipper. You are right. I'm not denying that it's an incredible thing. It's just you're kind of sat there shaking your head in disbelief that a 40 year old is capable of of doing something impressive. No, uh, no, I'm not. No, it's not that. Leonardo DiCaprio's 40. Or oh, actually, he's going to be 40 in five days. I'm looking at that on the internet. That's not <laughs> okay. off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I was going to say, look, look. Seems to know that pretty immediately. Well, I do have a, a Leo calendar on, well, just above my bed, actually. But, um, well, yeah, anyway, so astonishing stuff from Mizbah, astonishing stuff from Pakistan in general. As you say, 900s in two tests, pretty remarkable. And what's more remarkable is how that's just not the story that we've seen from Pakistan in recent years. Their batsmen have struggled. It's, you know, their bowlers have got them out of jail a lot. Their batsmen have been woeful at times. And then they just go out and, you know, they're posting sort of 600 for six declared. It, yeah, extraordinary stuff. And with everything that's been happening in Pakistan cricket over the last few years, having to play, you know, in the UAE, not being able to play at home, now the ban on Saeed Ajmal, it's, it's, it's a welcome tonic for them this series, isn't it? Isn't it? You've got to feel gutted for the Aussies, though. You really have. My heart bleeds for them. England. On this part of the show, we talk about England. And England have had some good news this week, Tone. Have they? Two bits of good news, not just uh, the devastating defeat for Australia, but another bit of good news, uh, which was that they named their Lions squad to tour South Africa in January, and it featured a certain Jonathan Trott. He's back in the fold, Tone, almost exactly a year after leaving the Ashes tour. He obviously had a difficult time at the beginning of the county season, didn't he? He kind of came back for Warwickshire and then went uh, and then left again, uh, but then came back again. Uh, and ended up having a, a pretty decent end to the season. Uh, was very successful in that uh, Royal London One Day Cup. Uh, and he's now back in the Lions squad, suggesting that both he and the selectors you know, are, are thinking about um, bringing him back into the England team at some point. Uh, which, as I say, is good news. How pleased are you, Tone, to see Trot back? Pretty pleased. I mean, it's pretty... It's quite... Impressive. I mean, it, it is his job, cricket, but it's quite impressive that he still wants to do it. Because obviously, the, the the initial incident or the initial kind of circumstances of his departure was pretty tough. But I imagine coming back and then having to admit again that you're not ready must have been even tougher. Yeah, I th- I thought that would probably be it actually, because yeah, it, as you say, he came back with a you know a big publicity campaign and did that interview on Sky and set up that Twitter account and was saying, no, I'm back and I want to be back in the England team and everything's rosy again. And then a couple of weeks later, you know, had to admit that actually he wasn't ready. And I thought at that point that it might be all over. But then not that long after that, he worked his way back in, played pretty well, 
So yeah, I mean, hopefully he is ready or, or getting towards being ready. I mean, I think this is probably quite a good arena for him in which to return in that it's it's low-key, it's a Lions tour, but it is a tour. Because if, if he'd been playing a couple of Lions games in England, you know, that's not much different to playing county cricket. So then there's a big step between that and being back in the England team. But this, you know, we, we will get some sense of where he's at because he will be away. He will be in South Africa. He will be on tour. If he feels comfortable, if he feels happy at the end of it, then you can say, well, that is a big step towards him coming back. Um, but until he's done something like that, it's, you know, it would feel like a, a, major, um, a major step to have to take and to immediately bring him back into the international team. Yeah, you'd say there's no hurry, is there? You know, England's cricketing schedule does look... Um, it's quite odd, isn't it, over the course Hick-tuck. of the next... Yeah, over the course of the next year or two. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities for him to slot in at some stage. Yeah, I think you're right. And there's, there's, there's no rush. And I, I hope he's not being rushed back. You know, I, I imagine he's probably quite keen to get on with it. But, I, I, yeah, I think we have to be a bit cautious about bringing him back too quickly. There's obviously lessons to be learned, both from um, his experience earlier in the year, also from Marcus Jaskothic, who, again, in a similar situation, said, no, I'm ready, I'm ready to come back, came back into an England squad and, and left um, for the same reasons. So you, we do have to be um, very delicate. People do have to kind of deal with this very carefully. Um, so I definitely would say that the whatever happens on this Lions tour, that the, the Caribbean series is going to be too soon for him. But then, you know, I'd be concerned about him coming back in, coming immediately back into the ashes. You know, obviously there'd be that Mitchell Johnson factor that would make things quite difficult. But then I suppose if if you're worried about what he's going to be like facing world-class pace bowling, then should he really be in the team anyway? So, you know, it's it's a difficult thing to manage. I mean, that would be pretty interesting, though, in a sense, wouldn't it? Because that was pretty high profile, the, the comments that were made about Trot in the Ashes series. You know, how would the Australians do, you know, how would they approach things now? Would they be, re- would they, if he was to play the first Ashes test, would they rip into him? I mean, I don't would know, but... getting in his, his grill piece? I suspect that they'd probably take it easy on the sledging, but I, I think Mitchell Johnson would certainly give him a, a barrage of bounces. You know, if you're walking out in a test match, then you, you can't expect to not get bounces bowled at you so that's why it is difficult because you, you have to say not only does he have to be ready to come back into national cricket and all the pressure that brings but he's got to be ready to deal with Mitchell Johnson which is a very difficult thing to do whoever you are so it could well be that you know whatever happens in South Africa we don't see him in an England shirt for quite some time still but as you say even after that Ashes series they go to the UAE which is going to be really difficult as, as we know they go to South Africa now it's it's a really busy year, 2015. So, you know, yeah, I'm sure there'll be an opportunity at some point. Although you've got to say, does he get back into the team now? I mean, Gary Balance has come in and done brilliantly at number three. You know, there is an argument that perhaps Trot isn't an automatic first choice. You know, even when he is ready. I mean, I guess there is one position in the team that probably is up for grabs at the moment. That's the the, the second opener slot. So perhaps he could kind of reinvent himself, reboot himself as an opener team. Yeah, I mean, it's an idea, but then I guess you'd say that is probably the, the hardest in his position. That, does he want to walk out first? I don't know. I wouldn't, but then I'd, I'd never have wanted <laughs> to walk out You wouldn't out walk out at all. No, ideally. I wouldn't want to walk out to face Mitchell Johnson. Yeah, but then, I mean, well, the, the psychology of a, a cricket batting lineup is generally quite interesting, but w- is it actually better to go out first is the worst place to bat number three, where you you could be in at any moment. 
or you might not be in for hours. I mean, just waiting to bat when you're next man in is horrible, isn't it? And um, obviously that happens at any point in the team apart from the openers. Yeah, it's true. Out. So maybe that would be the best position for him, I don't know. But it's all very difficult, isn't it? Because you don't, you can't sort of have someone that you're constantly making allowances for. No, like you can't. It is, it's tricky. It'd be interesting. Well, if you go some bangs runs for the Lions, then it all becomes much easier, doesn't it? I guess it actually it boils down to the fact it's probably quite easy all round. If he doesn't score runs for lines, if he's not scoring runs, then he won't be considered. And if he scores runs, you'd have to think he's probably in pretty good frame of mind. And I think it's okay. And you know he's got quite a lot of test experience. You know he's had a lot of time to reflect on things. You know presumably he's in a pretty good place now, ready to go. So actually they might not have any fears at all. That's yeah, all very easy, Tony. You simplified it for me there. Thanks very much. I've sort of got through this whole complicated ream of notes here. <laughs> <laughs> You've just come along and rendered them all. Pointless. Much like the new John Lewis Christmas advert, this episode of the World Cricket Show has been a landmark event, perhaps the landmark event on the cultural calendar, that's launched spectacularly on social media and is in no way cynical, similar to previous incarnations, or least of all, smug. (laughs) Nonetheless, it's time to bring it to an end. It's here, Tone. It's landed. It has landed. I've been looking forward to it for weeks. The John Lewis Christmas advert. Christmas now is no longer on the 25th of December, is it? It's on the 6th of November, or whatever day John Lewis decides to put its Christmas advert onto YouTube. Well, I think it usually Happy is days. the 6th now, because it's, you know, bonfire nights over, bang. Is it? Christmas, yeah. It's depressing. I haven't watched it. Have you watched it? Have you not seen it? No, I'm not, I refuse to. Hashtag Monty the Penguin, mate. Come on, let's watch it now. No, I don't, honestly, reaction. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to, I don't think we can get it, I'll have to deal with it. No, I don't even know if I want to see it. <laughs> you need to see it. Live reaction. While you're loading that video, Tony, I'll just tell you, I was reading an article in The Guardian about it, well, just the, the announcement of the advert coming out, uh, and this, this sentence stuck out. I thought you, I, I, I'd like to know what you'd make of this. Social media is now a central part of most retailers' ad campaigns. Rival department store Debenhams, which unveiled an ad last week, featuring a group of children running amok in a store after hours to the tune of Paul McCartney's Frog Chorus, is encouraging shoppers to share selfies of the moment they find the perfect gift in return for £1,000 gift card prizes. That is monumentally depressing, isn't it? I mean, I'm just going to punch a wall now. I mean, let's be honest, the selfie is dead, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's not. Well, it died. It died about two years ago. It should be dead. Right, I've come around the other side of the desk because we're going to watch this out okay. now. You're right, it's two minutes long. Let's put the lyrics on. No, Neil, yeah. That's good. shaking his head I mean kids are going to be stealing penguins from zoos again aren't they like that, <laughs> that kid I don't know what do you mean again well that's what they used to do isn't it <laughs> rob penguins it just does nothing for me I've seen people on my Facebook news feed people that I know and respect are posting status oh, I'm in floods of tears at the new John Lewis Christmas advert it's this yeah it's a kid with a CGI penguin who's his best friend 
the penguin wants uh, some another penguin. Penguin wants a mate. The penguin wants someone another penguin to love. Penguin wants a f- buddy. <laughs> 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 and uh, uh, yeah, and then on on Christmas Day, uh, the boy gives him a, a new penguin. But then the twist the at the twist. end is that they're just toys. You see it from the mum's perspective, and it's just the kid playing with two penguins. It's um, kind of sweet, isn't it? Well, yeah. but it's it's not that good, though, is it? But the thing is, it, yeah. There's, I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of issues with it. There are a lot of issues with the concept because it's so it's, it's tired now. It's twee. That's not. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but the, the actual concept is tired because it's so formulaic. It's like kind of yeah, adorable kid, uh, re-recorded, kind of slightly stripped back acoustic version of a song recorded by a kind of identical chart singer. Yeah, and it. Uh, but it's also just like I just think it's so cynical. I just don't think, it, however lovely it is, it's still an advert, and people don't seem to mind because it's John Lewis, who's seen as quite a wholesome company. But if it, you know, if that advert kept finished and then it came up with like Wonga, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like get up, borrow all the money you need this Christmas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wonga.com. Yeah, or like BA Systems or something. Yeah. You know, people wouldn't Gazprom. think it was a sweep, but it's the same principle. It's an advert. That's point A. And point B, it's just so cynical. It's the John Lewis executives sitting around in their, you know, with their bags of money behind them, <laughs> looking at photos of children who have auditioned for this part and going, more adorable! <laughs> we need him more adorable! Like, it's technically very impressive it's a good advert, but come on, people. Come on, people. It's an advert. I get adverts. You know, I do. There are some adverts I do think are, are brilliant pieces of creative work. Uh, you know, visual originality and, and beautiful kind of bits of like combinations of music and, and pictures. But I don't understand people's attachment to adverts. You know, I don't I don't really sit and watch advert. You know, I, I wouldn't sit and watch an advert on YouTube, really. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's like, weird. It, they're, they're good pieces of filmmaking, but you've got to remember what what it is ultimately. And also, I just don't think that's that good. Like the, the original John Lewis Christmas advert with the kid you know, giving his parents, or you think the kid's excited about Christmas. Is that the original one? Either, well, it's one of the early ones, anyway. So I look at the, I bet there's a John Lewis <laughs> Christmas ad Wikipedia I'm sure page. there is. But, like, in that advert where you think the kid's excited about getting presents, but it turns out he's excited about giving a present, like, that's that's nice. That's a really sweet idea. I liked, you know, I, I thought that was a really good concept. But the last few have just been rubbish, I think. Well, the, the bear, bear one the bear was one last year was stupid. And I just don't think this is a very good... I do. I think people are like conditioned now to think that the John Lewis advert is amazing because it has to be amazing. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, anyway I'll, uh, go on, Matt, I'll sit down. Nice. Uh, uh, but anyway, it's the start of Christmas, so there we go. Thanks, John Lewis, for, for letting us. <laughs> and I'm excited in. about that, actually, Tane. Uh, and when people are doing their Christmas shopping, there's a good segue here. Cynical <laughs> leaping on. If that's got you in the Christmas spirit. <laughs> we're sitting here with our bags of money and we're about to tell you do your Christmas shopping on Amazon but don't do it on amazon.co.uk do it on cricketshow.net click the Amazon button and do your shopping there because then we get a little bit of a kickback so if you do like the World Cricket Show if you like what we're doing here and you'd like to support us uh, then do that it doesn't cost you anything extra uh, but, it, but it does help us certainly don't do your shopping at John Lewis because they don't have an affiliate link for us to Sponge off. Not yet, anyway. If this time next year they do, then I'll be talking up the John Lewis episode <laughs> yeah. like nobody's God, that John Lewis episode is genius. Uh, absolutely adorable. <laughs> it really is adorable. I was in floods of tears. 
I mean, of course, it does pale compared to the Amazon Christopher. Great work, <laughs> the guys at Amazon. Well done. What Amazon, a company. Amazon don't need an advert. They do. I mean, it's just, it's like McDonald's. It's like, yeah, we're still here. Yeah. Like, that would be, if I was in charge of everything. the Amazon advert, it'd be like, yeah, we're still here. Buy things. Keep buying things. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so do that if you want to help support the show. If you just want to check in with us on the internet, then you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cricket show. You can follow us on Twitter. The show account is at cricket show. I'm at Adam Bayford12, and Tony is at Tony Kver. T O N Y C V double R. What happened to your Halloween tweet, Tony? Mm, I decided it. against it. I moderated myself. What was it going to ha- be? No, nah, don't, don't worry about it. No, nah, don't worry. You don't want to go into it. I hope it wasn't going to be anything lewd. No, absolutely not. Uh, you can, you can find, follow me on Instagram as well. Yes, it's Adam Bayfield. Send us an email, worldcreatureshare at gmail.com. Write a review for us on iTunes if you've got a spare few minutes because we do really appreciate that. And as we hinted at at the top of the show, we've got a new thing that uh, we're going to be unveiling soon. It really isn't something that people are going to be interested in, but nonetheless, uh, we're going to get you to buy it. So look forward to that. If you want. Uh, but yeah, that's about it, I think. What have you got lined up for the weekend, Tone? <sighs> Chilling. <laughs> Chilling. Watching the sport. Football, rugby. Football, rugby. <laughs> it's going to be a great weekend. Watching the John Lewis advert. <laughs> On repeat. All weekend. Thinking about Christmas. Well, that sounds adorable. That's it from us, I think. Stay in school, everybody, and we will see you all next time. Bye bye for now. Cheerio. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.